This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Let's fuck this shit. It's only game. Why you have to be mad? And we're live again. And we're live. And we're live. Christina, it's so good to see you. I'm happy to be back. Let's just let's just get into it. First of all, welcome back to Puck Bunnies. It's a hockey podcast. It's brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Christina and I are thrilled this week, absolutely over the moon, to welcome Emily Kaplan, ESPN's national NHL reporter, queen, queen of correct bagel opinions, and also of dominating the competition on Around the Horn. Emily, welcome to Puck Bunnies. I've always wanted an intro like this in a podcast, so this is like (laughs) ticking off a huge career achievement, so thank you, both of you. We're going to like play some, choose a song for your like at-bat yeah, I think I'd want to be like the Cinderella score after you guys called me a Disney princess in a recent episode, which I just oh, have never yeah. stopped thinking about. But seriously, <laughs> you guys are awesome. Before we begin uh, podcasting, I was introduced to you guys when you were, as you know, at the Vancouver draft and we were at a bar <laughs> and I feel so bad because I totally blew you off that night. I like talked to you briefly and then was in La La Land. And then afterwards, I was like, the next morning, I think I was in bed, I was like, Hutch and Christina are really cool. I probably should have spent more time talking to them. So it was a big regret of mine. And I really, really appreciate you having me on so we could talk more. That's funny. Of course. Because I think we feel the same way about Greg Wyshynski. Mm, tell me more. Because, tell me more. Oh, my God. I forgot we saw Greg. Exactly. Because I woke up the next morning and I was like, did we meet Greg last night? <laughs> Um, if anyone is listening, I think they can get the theme here. That is a little bit of a hazy night. I mean, we were just so tired, obviously. Mm, working so hard. It was yeah. only tiredness. <laughs> of course. Um, no, but we were literally walking out and Greg stopped us and was like, oh my God, are you guys p- the Puck Bunnies? We were like, that is the first time somebody has stopped us and asked us that. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I really appreciate that moment. And I'm sure he remembers it. And I'm sure if you blew him off, it was totally appropriate. Um, So actually, I will tell you the embarrassing story that Christine and I are looking back on now, like two years later, which is that we went to Raleigh to see Mm -hmm. Sarah at the beginning of at the beginning of the Canes playoff run in 2019. Okay, we were there for the first game in Raleigh, first playoff game in Raleigh in 10 years. We went by morning skate to say hi to Sarah. And we walked in and we were like going into the rink. And all of a sudden, Christina grabbed me. And what did you say? I said, oh, my God, that's Isabel and Emily. <laughs> like an actual stand, like a paparazzi or something. And I said it so loud that Isabel kind of turned. <laughs> and Audrey just like turned her entire body so that she wouldn't be associated <laughs> with me. But it was a really big I did moment. a double take. And it was literally like we had seen the Hadid sisters in public. 
We were like, oh my God, they're so cool. And you guys were just like standing there. <laughs> you guys are incredible. And I love how like in a moment you have the specific memory of how you acted. And now I'm listening to the story and all I'm thinking is, was I just so oblivious and like this was happening before my eyes and I was just like staring at the clouds? No, we were just like in the corner with this man who was talking to us probably about like Peter Mrazek. And we mm. were like, okay, yes, cool. But also um, the coolest women in the world are standing across the room from you. All right. So we've had all of these like missed almost connections throughout the years. And here we are, finally. Here I've, we are. I've convinced Christina to, to move to my neighborhood. I gave her my address. I said, please find an apartment on my block. <laughs> I'm going to move in. Like, it's fine. It's fine. She'll be throwing rocks at your window in no time. That's perfect. I need someone to take care of my plants. So if you can do that. That's really the prerequisite. <laughs> yeah. Have you been doing a lot? Like, what's your travel schedule been like this year? Have you been doing any? Um, so I wake up in my um, bedroom and sometimes I walk over to my second room. I do have one and that's where I do work. And then I go to the kitchen and then I go back to my bedroom. And that's typically my travel schedule. Um, I do get to go to the studio for Around the Horn. And it just feels like Emily's big day in the city because it's like on Michigan <laughs> Ave. And I take an Uber there on a field trip. and I dress up nice. And I always get to walk home and just feel like I did something that day. But that's been pretty much the extent of it the last couple months. So I'm sure that's like a big departure from what you're used to. It is. Um, it really is. And, you know, in some ways it's so nice. And I'm realizing that there are some benefits to just like having a freaking routine. Can I curse here? I feel like this is definitely a pro-cursing podcast. <laughs> I've just decided. <laughs> and it's great. Um, but I do miss it. And I really, I just miss normal times in the context of doing my job of being able to see live hockey, talk to people face to face and have those conversations I just had a conversation with a player last night on the phone and like it was an emotional topic we were talking about and I was like this is just so shitty like is he crying is he choking up I am I interrupting I could make him eye contact with yeah, you yeah. no it was, it was I miss all of those things making people cry in person I guess Is it harder to get better answers out of people over the phone? Yes and no. Um I feel like you can just have more of like a natural flow of a conversation in person. And it's interesting mm-hmm. because like a lot of the interviews, the PR guys will be like, oh, like, do you want to do it on the phone or on Zoom? And I'm like, well, no one wants to do Zoom if they have to do Zoom. And like, right. I'm sure they have Zoom fatigue. And they're like, oh, yeah, the guys will appreciate it much more if you do it on the phone. I've talked to a bunch of guys on the phone. But I don't know, you miss something with the face to face. And I'm not sure I would get that in Zoom. But um, I think yeah. you just miss the locker room. It's like really hard to do without reading somebody's body language. too. Mm-hmm. It's so weird to be like, oh, yeah, this was such a large component of my job and now I don't talk to anybody that I don't know. It's so true and like this pandemic in general just the lack of small social interactions we've been able to have I just feel like it's making everyone more awkward in general like we're just not used to having really bad conversations anymore. Like, honestly, I feel like the podcast has been somewhat of a saving grace. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to talk to my best friend once a week. But then also it's for an audience, too. So at least I feel like there are more people in the room than just Christina and me. And you haven't had that. I haven't. And it's, it's funny, like, you know, I cherish all the small little moments that you get in the pandemic. But um, no, I haven't had I know. I was going to say, like, do you miss the world of podcasting? What do you miss about this glamorous yeah. lifestyle? Um, well, I miss having two IT queens like you just explain to me how to use GarageBand and my phone right before we go on. <laughs> 
I miss just the format of it where you can be a little more conversational, um, a little more open-ended. For Greg and I, we loved it. Again, in talking about dealing with players and coaches, they really liked the format because they felt like they could be a little more conversational. They could be a little more open-ended. And we had some really good conversations on it. So those are the things I miss about it. Yeah, I can see how it would definitely be easier for people to talk. Like, if it's just, like, a conversation and they're just being recorded, it's a little bit totally. different. Oh, yeah. But you totally don't have to think about how I look or am I making enough eye contact with this person. Totally. And then the other aspect of it is I just feel like podcast is such a great format to show personality, right? Like, you can truly be yourself. And I'm really good at being myself if I'm talking. I don't think it translates online. Like, I'm really bad at being funny on Twitter or witty on Twitter or, like, at <laughs> the right moment on Twitter. Like, oh, this is the meme everyone's doing, but I'm so late to it. And I feel like just podcast is just a little bit more of my jam. I get to exercise that a little bit with Around the Horn, but you don't really get to do it with written stories as much either. Dude, Around the Horn, like I watch it and I get stressed out because everyone's so quick and funny. And I'm like, I don't know if I could like match up with everybody on there. You were so good on it. It's so much fun to watch. Can you talk a little bit more about your experience doing Around the Horn and sort of like how that came to be? It's still so surreal to me that I do it like because it's just it's such a cool institution of a show. And Tony Reality is just like such an OG. It's funny because I feel like people watch him on TV and they're either like, he's the coolest person ever or he's crazy. And I'm like, he's a little Both. crazy. Yes. <laughs> but also the coolest person ever. And it's just so real. But um, I guess it began 2019, I, 2018, whenever. No, I think it was 2019, my first show. Um, that spring I was covering the playoffs and the producer had reached out to me in like the spring and was like, look, we're looking for, you know, new voices. Your name is someone who'd been up. Would you ever have interest? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'd love to. And I'm like, oh, fuck, like, I can't do this. This is too much. And I had very, very minimal TV experience. And then I remember it was that playoffs and it was like April and they're like, great. Um, what, what are you doing on Wednesday? And I freaked out and I was just like, and you can only be in certain cities to do it because they have studios because you have to have the green screen. I remember I was like in Columbus at the time and I was like, if I asked my editor, like, hey, they want me to do around the horn, I would have been able to go home and do it from Chicago. But I totally lied. I was like, oh, no, I'm in Columbus. He's like, okay, another time. And I remember Ramona <laughs> Shelburne, who's been a mentor to me, she told me, she's like, you can't blow them off more than once because you're going to lose your opportunity. They'll just go to the next right. person. And again, yeah, they asked me like two weeks later and I did it. And it's so nerve wracking because again, it's such a fast paced format. You're going up against people that have done this for so long. I watched these so people long. in middle school, like Woody was on my first show, like Woody's been around forever as long as Wood. And I would tell that to him to his face. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> super exciting. Um, it's fun. I, I get such a rush doing it. It gets to exercise a different part of your brain. And like I said, like Tony and the staff, it's so corny, but they really are a family and they really treat it. Um, that show is so special to them and everyone who takes part in it is like a caretaker of the show and they really care for each other. And I just really, really value being part of that community because working remotely, you don't always get that. It's such an awesome concept, I think, and like is really a demonstration of how you can take something that's been around forever and update it. And like it still has the spirit of what it was like back when we were in middle school. But the new voices, I think, just really help. And I mean, my roommates are even in on it now. I mean, they're huge NBA guys. 
But like every time, you know, it's 5 p.m. or whatever, they'll be like, yo, Emily's on, like come downstairs. Oh my gosh, my people. Well, that's so funny that you say that because my biggest struggle with the show is like, I'll be the first to admit it. I do not follow the NBA that closely. It's just hard. It's literally the same season as hockey. And now I've had to follow the NBA closely and like try to report on it even. And even that means just calling people who know about the NBA and being like, does this sound smart? What's happening? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So maybe I call your roommate soon. Be careful you offer up. The NBA is very similar to the NHL to me in that you have to know so many guys' names. (laughs) I just can't be trusted to remember that many men's names. And there's just, there's so many of them. That is a difficult part. But what I have found is, and other panelists on the show who covered the NBA predominantly have told me this and I won't call them out, but like, it's actually the easiest league to cover, especially in the context that we talk about it on Around the Horn, because it's one big soap opera. All it is is just pettiness. It's this person is beefing with them. This person thinks they deserve more. This one spurned this. And like, it's the same five characters and they're just put in different situations and you just get a yap about it. Like, do I know any of the real penalties or rules in basketball? No. But Mm -mm. did I know the entire James Harden saga in Houston? Oh, hell yeah. It was petty as hell. (laughs) It was the best. And once again, just another league that the NHL could uh, learn from. Play up the drama. Let's go. Be be the divas. So I hate to toot ESPN's horn, but part of my hope with this new ESPN rights deal is I see the way we cover other sports and we really build guys up personally. Like we love Mm -hmm. talking about the rivalries and the personalities um, and the brands. And like, it would be naive to think we were not going to be like that with hockey. So I'm really excited to see, firstly, like, who emerges as the big characters of the NHL to like Stephen A. Smith? Is he going right. to be yapping about like Andre Vasilevsky's save percentage? I feel like he's going to be a huge Taylor Hall guy. Mm, I like that for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like misunderstood. I could see Stephen A. being like, is the problem in Buffalo, Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall? Oh, Stephen A. is going to love clashing. Buffalo. He loves ripping on the Knicks. Just wait till he finds out about the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who steps up to sort of be like a star in that sort of way that they're talking about the sport since now it's so we instead of mm-hmm. I. And it's so different in basketball. It so is. And it's uh, Joe Pavelski's business partner because he has this new website that's like trying to be a little bit like a player's tribute. And it's cool. And he said it. And I thought this was just a great quote where he said, the humble gene is really help, uh, held hockey back. And it's true. And like, it's why we love hockey, right? It's because they say we and you when it's all about the team. You never want to make yourself bigger than the team. But then you never talk about yourself at all. And then you get lost. That's so interesting that Joe Pavelski said that since he's like the guy that I sort of think is like a grinder team guy. And he's the one who's who's saying that like hockey is too humble. It's I love cool. That. And he's trying to make it for the uh, the rest of the generation. It's not even just too humble, but he wants guys to like be comfortable sharing who they are and their stories. Yeah. And so he's recruiting the youngsters. Like, feel like their personality is not a burden. What a concept. <laughs> exactly. But to your point of like what stars are going to emerge, it's, it's interesting. Cause, like I've thought about it some, but not a ton. Austin Matthews is the one that's just ripe for the taking. <laughs> I was talking to a guy with the NHLPA and he was like, did you see what Austin Matthews is wearing that one game that he sat out in the press box? Like the Versace head yeah. to toe. He's like, with a bandana yes. and the mask. Yes. It's yeah. nicer than anything I've ever worn in my entire life, let alone to like sit and not play hockey. Mm-hmm. So I think that he's really going to lean into it. And I think he's starting to get a little more comfortable with doing that stuff. And 
he's just such a great story to share to Americans, right? Like mm-hmm. mom from Mexico mm-hmm. grew up in Arizona, star for the Toronto Maple Leafs and their 17,000 uh, journalists that live there. So <laughs> I was thinking about that and him and like David Pasternak is another mm. person that I'm like, yes, yeah. let's go. I want all of the pasta in my life. Like, Mm-hmm. pasta to eat and David Pasternak on Dunkin' Donuts commercials and his toothy grin and yeah he's just a fun personality. I swear to god I hear TJ OC saying you can pull the goalie <laughs> in my sleep from that commercial. Okay now I feel like I can as well and I'm definitely in a nightmare about it tonight. That's a great <laughs> Thank you, I don't Christina. know how many other guys they were thinking about bringing in for those commercials this year but Mwah, perfect pick. And it's funny because like TJ Oshie is such a household name in America, literally because of the Olympics and like that mm-hmm. one shootout in Sochi. And like he's done great things for the Caps, but his name recognition is so much higher. And another funny thing about being at ESPN just the last couple of years is it's been so hard to get hockey to rise to the level, right? To make Sports Center make the top headlines. And you like talk to producers and they're like, okay, here's the guys we're interested in. Um, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, TJ Oshie, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin. And you're like, what about Connor McDavid? They're like, yeah, he's okay. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that tide is going to turn as we, uh, again, become rights holders. Emily, how did you end up, how did hockey become your sport? Mm, great question. Um, I'm a middle child and I have middle child complex. <laughs> Uh, and it's, it's three <laughs> girls, um, so in the middle, I have two sisters, and I always thought my dad hated me because he worked late and he coached my sister in softball and he didn't want to coach me in soccer because he didn't know soccer. Um, anyway, but he was a really big Rangers fan, um, a really big mm-hmm. hockey fan, and to get closer to him, I'd watch hockey games, and that was our thing, and now obviously I'm his favorite. So it worked out. <laughs> yeah, literally same. I didn't play sports growing up at all. My brother played all the sports. Um, my dad was his coach, and I was like, well, I can watch this game where, like, guys punch each other in the face sometimes and like that'll be fun we can know you guys are besties yeah exactly i also got into hockey to impress a man so i think (laughs) all of us are all like really like drawn together from this it's true though what you know what though and i I think the issue is that we sometimes try to gatekeep or feel embarrassed about our stories but like they're all super authentic and like that's how we all got introduced to the sport but now we all independently love it Exactly. And it's honestly not like male journalists don't get into sports because of their own daddy issues. (laughs) Great point. Come on. I would just love them to talk more about their daddy issues, but that's neither here nor there right now. I sort of don't even understand as a man why you would even watch sports, but that's my own (laughs) complex to to bear. Why would you want to watch a bunch of guys like doing stuff? Great point. Never thought about it from that perspective. They're always wondering why we like it. Like, why do you guys like it? What's the deal? Is it an inferiority complex too? We were talking about the Bruins at Lake Tahoe and how they were dressed up in their like 90s outfits. They looked amazing. And we were like, why do men watch this sport? <laughs> it's just guys dressed up in costumes. Like girls. this is literally a sorority theme party. Sisterhood event. <laughs> yes, correct. Um, yeah, the costumes were for us and they were fantastic. And, and they were great. Lake Tahoe was my favorite hockey moment of the year because of that. Absolutely. So that was your favorite hockey moment of the year thus far. What team has surprised you the most this season? Um, we're recording this as the Flyers are getting thrashed again. Um, so probably them. Again? Yeah, it's 3 nothing last time I looked. Poor Carter Hart. Um, so they've surprised me in a not good way. You know, and I think it's complicated because like, really uncomfortable thing to talk about but like they've just haven't been the same since covid hit them and they're a really young team and you wonder like what kind of mental or physical effects that might have had on them but they've just kind of been a i was hoping they would be there and maybe they're just a year away 
Do you think that they're going to be able to do anything at the deadline that might change things? Or are they just going to take this year and be like, well, let's learn something from it? Um, I think they're going to do what every hockey man's favorite thing is to do, and that's make a hockey deal. I love when that term is used. I don't oh. know if you guys know what that parlance means. It literally means getting a player with more than one year left at the trade deadline. That's a hockey deal. Uh, it's just like one of those funny things that they say. But my point is, I think they're not going to try to go all in this year and get a rental. But if they can get a defenseman with a year or two left on his term and maybe can like shore up whatever's going on back there, that would be helpful. Or they get Mark Stahl, which I've also heard, which would be kind of funny. Wait, I haven't heard that. Mark Saul to the Flyers? Interesting. He would be one of their veteran, like, C options, D options. Right. Like, oh, we didn't get Matthias Ekholm. We didn't get uh, whoever else is available. We didn't get him. We didn't, get, But we can get Mark Stahl. And I did not know that, you know, Matt Niskanen was going to leave such a hole when he retired for them. In this economy. <laughs> the, the linchpin of the Philadelphia Flyers. Under that quiet, gruffy beard, he had it all. Honestly, though, like, that was one of my, like, it sucks if you're a Flyers fan, but didn't you just feel, like, good for you, man? He was just like, I'm done. I was like, you should have done this right after you won the cup, if I mm-hmm. was you. Well, he got one more paycheck. I would be <laughs> chilling, but yeah, he got one more paycheck. He got to hang out in Philly for a year or so, and apparently, like, they really loved him in the locker room. It's wild. That's what I want to be. I, I want to be the guy that everybody likes in the locker room who's just kind of bad and then retires yeah, after Yeah, Jay Beagle. Like, just vibes. Oh, good call, good call, good call, <laughs> good call. And then when you leave, everyone's like, we can't explain it. It's just the aura, the presence, the, the intangibles. It's the intangibles. <laughs> yeah, the intangibles. I can't wait until I'm an intangible person. I want to have no skills, just personality. But who surprised you in a good way? Um, the Chicago Blackhawks have, for sure. Yeah, just because I thought, I literally thought it was going to be them and Detroit going for that number 31 spot. But I feel like, you know, you can't, it's kind of complicated to talk about Patrick Kane. It's kind of complicated to talk about, you know, their veteran core, but you can't discount their competitiveness. And I really feel like the intangibles and the culture of the Duncan Mm -hmm. Keith and Kane is helping these young guys play up. And then the Kings are another, I mean, the wild is the obvious answer, right? Wild to great, Kirill Kaprizov, yeah. like, if you don't watch him, you should. But, like, the Kings, again, I guess maybe I just kind of lost track of their rebuild. Oh, absolutely. None <laughs> of us were paying attention to him. No. Like, not that, I haven't watched a Kings game. Well, I did watch a Kings game a couple of weeks ago, but. They're on so late. They're on so, so late. late. We have to get our beauty rest. Um, I'm yeah. so glad we're on the same page there. But, yeah, no, I kind of just, like, you know, I, I just assumed this year would be another lost one. And I didn't realize how, personally, do you know who would be a really great, like, NBA type type villain in the NHL. I guess you can guess I'm talking about the Kings. Someone who just like hears something written about him and takes it so personally and wants to go on a petty revenge tour. Drew Doughty. Yeah, Drew? it's yes. Drew. It, yes. It's Uncle Drew. I already think of him that way. Yeah. He, he's the one. I mean, he had a feud with Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. That was epic. <laughs> like I want that to return. The most one-sided feud. <laughs> yes. We have to end the Canadian League so that like we can all play each other again and have Matthew Kachuk and Drew Daddy. Yes. Well, my big issue is that all the fun American stars are up north. Like both yeah. Kachuk brothers. That's not fair. It's not fair. Quinn Hughes, Austin, Brock Besser. I could go on and on. Johnny Gaudreau. I know. Poor John. We got to airlift Johnny out of there. And uh, I think he likes it too much. Calgary's fun. I'm not going to lie. Calgary seems like a really fun city. I've always wanted yeah. to go. I got it. So I only went, it, I went to the bubble this summer in Edmonton. And after spending like 
two months in Edmonton. It was a month. Um, everyone's like, you should really get to the mountains in Calgary because unlike the brochures that the players were given to the bubble, the mountains were in fact two hours away. But yeah, so I spent like a day or two in Calgary and then in like Banff and it's just, it's literally, I, I don't want to use the cliches, but it feels like an Austin. Like it's funky. There's like some tech there. People are like super outdoorsy, maybe more like a Portland, but I really liked it. That's so crazy because I just imagine there being nothing up there. Like whenever you say the words Edmonton and Calgary to me, I'm like, I don't, there's no cities there. It's, it's just, just prairie. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> wide open yeah. spaces. But they're real cities and they're real people who live there. And there's real people who really want the Oilers to do it this year. They do exist. Oilers fans do exist. It's been a pretty good year for them to exist, I think. The Oilers? Yeah. Oh, because of Connor McDavid. Oh, uh, yes, he's very good. I don't know good. if you guys have heard of Connor McDavid. Like, I know we, live down, we live down here. <laughs> I have so much fun watching him. I'm on the record, and I will say again that I think Nathan McKinnon is the best hockey player in mm. the NHL. I like that take. How many, like, Northern Division games have you been watching this year? Like, have you been watching any of the West Coast stuff where we have to stay up? A little bit, yeah. Um, I've definitely watched less North Division games, like, I always found myself watching Leafs games the last couple years, like when I was just cruising on NHL TV, like who am I to watch tonight? Like they were always high in my watchability rankings. And now it's just like, it's the same old thing again and again. And I just feel like there's so much concentrated coverage from those 17,000 journalists based in Toronto um, that it is my duty <laughs> as an American based journalist to report on the three other divisions down here. That's right. And so that is where, That's yeah, right. it's my national duty and pride. That is why you did a special on Joe. Exactly. Right. <laughs> the future captain. of sports media. The captain of all Americas. Oh my God, I love him He's so great. much. Speaking of American teams, down here in Joe Biden's America, um, who has been a team that is definitely a contender, but you don't think anybody's paying enough attention to? And why is it the Florida Panthers? Oh, mm, really good question. I feel like I could share it here because like, he might, and if he does, he's going to hate me. But Bill Zito, their GM, I feel like I talked to him. It was right in the, I want to say it was like mid-February. So like they were doing well, but it was still the point are like, are they for real? And I asked him, so Bill, like everyone around the league wants to know, like, are you guys for real? And he's like, off the record, I don't know if we are. <laughs> um, so like, I was like, okay, the GM doesn't believe in them. And he was just, you know, he just came in. He's kind of getting to know these guys. And he was just really impressed. At the same time, they've kept it up. Yeah. And I think the most impressive thing to me is that they've done it mostly without Sergei Bobrovsky. And they've also done it with Aaron Ekblad playing at like Norris level. Who remembered that Aaron Ekblad was supposed to be an elite defenseman? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Not me. I don't even know that. He's wild. He's so young. Um, and so he has his whole career ahead of him. But yeah, him, Keith Yandel, like... The other thing was crazy is like they had that whole drama with Keith Yandel before the season. Yes. They were going to scratch him. And I really think that the team rallied around that because he's one of those big, he's having a revenge tangible guys. Oh, yeah. They've been fun to watch. And I just, I resent having to learn new names always, but I'll make an exception for them. I do hate learning new names. I feel, <sighs> actually, I think at my pen, uh, my ESPN interview, I said Patrick Lane. And I was so embarrassed afterwards. I thought I was not going to get the job. <laughs> It's like, all right, they're blonde, they're good at hockey. Yeah. What more do you want from me? Patrick Kane, Patrick yeah. Lane, they're the same things to me. We do. And you know what? And I feel bad. That was like one conversation I had once with like a sports center producer when I just came in, but it stuck with me, man. 
There's always that one thing where you're like, the person you had that conversation with has never thought about it once, like, yeah. since you talked. And you've thought about it like it's the thing that you think about when you're trying to go to sleep at Every night. day since. And it's a shame because <laughs> there's so many puckheads at the company. And again, I think that's going to show next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just been so marginalized in the past. That, like, I understand why we became a meme. Like, ESPN hates hockey, doesn't care about hockey. I get it. Yeah, so how does it feel to be, like, part of the network that purchased all these rights whenever NHL hasn't been a big deal to ESPN at all? Like, is it, it, like, are they trying to get more, like, hockey people in, or what's the atmosphere like? So it's, like, super exciting, but also, I couldn't lie to you guys and tell you, like, there's not a little bit of me that's anxious of what next year is going to look like, and, like, what is my role going to be? Who are we bringing in? I've been doing this for the last four years, me and Greg, like, how are they going to mess up our dynamic? Where's my rings? Um, <laughs> all of these things. So yeah, so I'm excited about it. And I think people at the company are just like super pumped, but I just have no idea what it's going to look like. Only that it should be good. Hi, everybody. You just heard the first half of this week's episode of Puck Bunnies, our interview with ESPN's Emily Kaplan. Thanks again, Emily, for coming on. We will hit you guys with the other half of that interview in the next couple of days. But for now, if you'd like to call in with your questions and suggestions for next week's episode, you can hit our line at 774 718-6952. You can find us on Twitter at PuckBunnies underscore pod. You can find us on Instagram at PuckBunniesPod. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash PuckBunnies. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye.